0: What is up, everybody? We have another episode of Big Drive Energy coming your way, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got the FedEx Cup, we've got the Solheim Cup, we've got the Ryder Cup, and the craziest story we have ever heard at the club championship this weekend. Let's get it going. And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition, unlike
1: any. <laughs> Twenty
0: feet off the ground. What was that? Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed.
1: What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Big Drive Energy. I am your host, Spencer Smith uh at big drive spence on twitter joined by my co-host brother and friend mitchell smith aka at big drive mitch on twitter um we've had a few margaritas so this this should be a good episode we hope you guys missed us we missed doing this we've been working our absolute bags off at the valley of fun for the last week or so with the men's club championship which we will also get into later but first of all mitch how you doing brother how you doing tonight
0: I'm tired, man. I'm a little bit drunk and I'm tired. I'm just trying to enjoy myself. Let's get this shit going.
1: Love to see it. So, uh, first of all, let's talk about the Solheim Cup, man. It was a uh, an unfortunate uh, finish for the United States of America, but it was cool to see uh, have a Solheim Cup and a Ryder Cup within two weeks of each other. A lot of excitement in the world of golf, not just the United States, but uh, the world f- facing off, or basically the United States facing off against team Europe um, and seeing some of the best golfer with female golfers in the entire world go at it. And I thought it was cool. Cause even, you know, my fiance, Kylie, who uh, watches golf rarely, in fact, never uh, she was getting super into the, the Solheim cup and just super infatuated with the talent of the likes of Nellie Korda and team USA. Uh, but it didn't end the way that they had hoped it would end. So it's, uh, it was kind of unfortunate.
0: Yeah, I really didn't. Uh, understand. They just kind of came out lackluster. There wasn't a whole lot of vibing going on by the the seams of it, and they didn't... I, I mean, I guess you could almost compare it to the Ryder Cup. The USA team has done this years and years now. We've consecutively lost Ryder Cups. We just lost the Solheim Cup on American soil. I really don't have an explanation for it. I don't get it. I think it's almost boils down to like a camaraderie thing and a, uh, a want. And I don't know where that comes from, but I guess the USA teams just don't want it that much. And I, I'm not going to be that guy that comes out and says, Oh, they don't want it. They all want it, but it's a different game. And like, I, I might be jumping a bit ahead here, but even Brooks Kepka came out today and said in the U S you're so built to depend on yourself and your own team and what you can do individually. And then you have to combine with a team and act in a team atmosphere. And I don't think the American players are built for that. Like the, Europe, the European tour players are built for that. So that, that was like kind of visible this weekend or this last weekend, in my opinion, was just the disconnect of the individuality of the sport versus playing as a team and it was it was fairly disappointing but you know what are you gonna do it was still great fun to watch I enjoyed it and the Inverness club out in Idaho or I almost said Idaho Ohio is about as good as it gets uh super pure track out there so no complaints but I wish I could have seen the U.S. come out on top I thought they were gonna do it
1: yeah, well, you bring up an interesting point because the game of golf is as individualized as any, basically any sport gets other than maybe like track and field where you're doing an individual event that's not a four by one or something of that nature. But it, when it comes to winning a Ryder Cup, a Solheim Cup, a President's Cup, etc., it ter- truly turns golf into a team game, which like Brooks Koepka, which we will get into his quote later when we talk about the, the captain's pick and do a little mini mini preview of the Ryder Cup coming up next week at Whistling Straits, it, it changes the the way all the players feel about the entire tournament and how they play. And golf is when it's so individualized, it's not usually a team game. It can be really hard for some players to kind of lock in and realize what it means versus when they're playing for a major, it's just them they're caddy and, you know, looking for a trophy or when they're playing to win the FedEx Cup. So I think you're kind of spot on there talking about the European teams. And, and I think the format of it, too, uh, as you see, you know, on the PGA Tour, there's only, I believe, one or two match play events during the year. And the, the guys that usually win those are not like your typical great players. You know, somebody could be playing some of the best golf in the world and they'll still lose in match play. Uh, because of the way that the, the game is played and the way it's changes and, and with the Europeans, and we've touched on this before they they grow up playing match play, like that's their thing there. It's not a thing over in the United States where, you know, kids want to be on the Ryder Cup team. That's a huge thing. But overall, they just want to be on the PGA tour playing their own individual ball. And in Europe, it's like you grow up and when you first get on the course, it's like immediate match play with whoever you're playing with. And that's kind of how they grow up on the game. So you can kind of see where they, you know, the PGA Tour obviously overtakes uh, the European Tour on views and what networks it's on and who watches it and how many viewers they have. And so I think the Europeans really hold on to things like the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, Solheim Cup, et cetera, in order to kind of boost their country. Well, they're basically it's the entire world other than the United States in a, in a team format like that.
0: Yeah. I, I can't even put it really into words. I, I totally agree with what you said about the team formats and really what it comes down to, like you said, is it, you grow up with it. You're built into it and we'll get into the captain's picks later, but Ian Poulter will never get left off a Ryder cup as long as he plays professional golf, because he is built for that kind of thing. He's got that mentality. Uh, He's got that, that underlying factor that just can't be put into a metric or a system. You know, it's it, it match play is just you can shoot 89 and still win a match. You know what I mean? It, it blows my mind. And just the fact that the US girls couldn't get it done isn't a testament to the difference in golf between what they're doing. And over in the UK and uh, uh, Europe, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, well, the UK, and then you have the President's Cup, who is all these other countries, not, not women's golf, yada, yada, yada. My fault.
1: A few margaritas. Well, and I, oh, go God. ahead. No, go for it. <laughs> well, I was just, just going to say, uh, team. so Team Europe secured a victory of 15 to 13 over Team USA. And actually that was quite the comeback at the very end from the United States. They were, I think they were down like 13 and a half, which 14 and a half wins it. They were down like 13 and a half to nine or so, and they were leading in a good amount of matches. But um, this is only the second time that in 16 Ryder cups, or excuse me, 16 Solheim cups. Now that team Europe has beaten the USA on us soil. So The USA had a really good record going into this in the Solheim Cup, especially when they're not traveling to Europe. Um, But they they had a two Europe had a two point lead going into Sunday and they just needed five points to retain. And then and they got it done, especially even against we when we previewed the Solheim Cup, we talked about how many top players in the world there are on the United States team. And it just didn't seem to matter. And that's where match play and and playing against someone other than playing, you're playing against the course and someone versus playing just against the course and going as low as you can, because it doesn't really matter. It can really get in your head. I mean, for those of you guys out there that have played match play, um, it can really fuck with you because you're you're playing a hole and and another dude, you're, the dude you're playing, girl you're playing, whoever that may be, hits it out of bounds. And you're like, oh, you, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, play it safe here. And then you end up making a bigger mistake and end up tying the hole or um, some people get really deflated in match play. I know uh, I can speak to this personally, because I've been playing Mitchell and match play a few times and I'll hit one in tight finally. And uh, they'll and Mitchell will be, you know, 20 feet for birdie because his, his wedge game's a little off that day or on that hole. And all of a sudden he drains it on top of me. And now I, now my three footer that I thought was going to win the hole, which it seems a lot easier to make a putt when you're going to win the hole versus having to make it to tie the hole. And then all of a sudden I go knee knock over a three footer. I miss it. I lose the hole and now I'm completely deflated. So um, when Mitchell was talking about guys like Ian Poulter, they can just deflate and wear down other players. And it's just such a different mindset when you go into uh, tournaments like this, the USA on paper, should have won this match by a mile. They had all the best players. They had Nelly Corda, um, and they were playing Lexi it on Thompson, their
0: Thompson, Jessica Corda, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah and I mean,
1: they they were playing it on their home soil, and they and they still just managed managed to lose. So, yeah, overall,
0: a very disappointing Solheim Cup showing from the U.S. But you win some, you lose some. Overall, great for the the game of golf for women. I mean, just getting, like you said, all those eyeballs on it was awesome. I'm not sure what the ratings were at, but I'm sure they were pretty damn good. And it's only up and onward from here for them, which I do love. But the USA has got to figure it out. I mean, if we don't straighten it out this week or this upcoming week with the Ryder Cup, I don't know what I'm going to do because I just – I do enjoy – I'm gonna be honest. I enjoy rooting for the Europeans, like not because I'm a bandwagon guy, but because they're just you can see like everybody's want within the group. And With the U.S., there's such a disconnect between all those guys because they're fighting so hard for all this money. Um, but anywho, let's get into the FedEx Cup. So Patrick Patrick Cantlay, excuse me. Finishes off the FedEx Cup, wins $15 million. And the dude at Eastlake just continued to prove his, his stones and his – I don't even know how else to put it, but he was just so ballsy down the stretch the last two weeks. Absolutely clutch on 18. Obviously, this whole last week before that on the – in the, in the playoff with Bryson was just unbelievable. And then coming down the stretch facing John Rom Rom's breathing down his neck. He almost hold it on 18. I think you remember seeing that Spencer Rom almost hold a second shot and he was down by one or were they? No, they weren't tied. They were down by one. Sorry. Margarita's tequila. Uh, But Rom was down by one shot, almost hold a second shot on 18. It like one hopped the cup. I, my stomach went into my shorts for a second. I was like, Holy shit, could he pull the rug out from Patrick Cantley like this? But he didn't. And then Cantley stepped up after Rom hit and he saw his shot uh, and hit one right in the middle of the green, had 15 feet for Eagle, sealed it, and I have become a much bigger Patrick Cantlay fan now than I was two weeks ago, bottom line.
1: Well, did you see that whole video of him talking about getting into a trance? It was, it was, I, kind of, no, I didn't. Yeah. So he's just sitting there. He was talking about basically when he gets in a round of golf and I think he caught a lot of flack because I mean, against Bryson, people didn't really care. He doesn't like Bryson. Bryson doesn't like him, but what's new with that dude and, and not liking someone or someone not liking him it's a pretty widespread thing around the PGA tour but he Patrick Cantlay was like super quiet and just like it kind of comes off as a dick uh, especially in in people's eyes that haven't played a lot of golf and you kind of see that and like when you're starting out in golf you just want everybody to be friendly and nice to you and and granted that's the way you should be 99% of the time in the game of golf. But once you're playing against someone or it's kind of coming down to the wire or it's career or life changing, like this was for Patrick Cantley, you, you just get that into that mode. And I, I can't really speak from experience. <laughs> I've never really been completely in that mode, but he basically called it a trance and and said that he just gets in, in a mode where he doesn't really want to talk to anyone. He's just in his own mind and uh, is just focused on, on the task at hand and, the the display he put on with the putter was just something otherworldly I think this not only in the tour championship but in the BMW that he won the week before uh just incredible stuff from him all around and especially especially on the putting greens I mean he didn't hit it that great like he didn't hit it tour championship player of the year great for the last season or the last tournament of the season but uh, when you're putting good, it's just like Jordan Spieth in 2015. Uh, you can win anything when you're putting good.
0: Oh Yeah, he he just put an absolute clinic on the greens. And for anybody out there who's like, how do I get better? Um, there's really no definite way to get better, but practicing your putting can make such a difference. It is mind-boggling. And it just goes to show you, like Patrick Cantlay, every time he stepped over a 20-footer, I was like, he's either going to make this or give it a really good run. He's going to have a tap in, And there's no like two ways about it. So when you can do that, it takes all the pressure off your ball striking. Like can't lay hits a drive in the rough or hits it in the bunker or whatever, or even he hits it behind a tree and has to knock it out of there and lay up to 170, 150 yards, whatever. And he hits it to 15, 10, 20 feet, he still feels like he has a good chance of making par and putts can just absolutely save your round of golf. So I just wanna give a big shout out to Patrick Cantley because he made putting fun and I tweeted it, but I was like, I've never had more fun watching somebody putt than Patrick Cantley because putting is boring as fuck. Let's be real. Obviously, everybody knows that. Nobody's like, oh, my God, look at that. Unless it's like an 80-footer or it's Tiger Woods at the U.S. Open. Um, You know, it's just not that exciting. But he made it electric, and even Ryan tweeted it. Allie Monroe – Monroe, I'm sorry. (laughs) Monroe, sheesh. Allie was tweeting about it. Everybody was all in on these last two events, which is so cool. Like – that is the culmination of golf, and that's what we want to see. So I am so happy that these last few weeks happened. And like I said, Patrick Cantlay is now probably in my top five to top ten favorite guys on tour. And he didn't even say anything. Like, he didn't even say a word to make me like him. He, it was just the way he carried himself on the course and the way he, he played and how he stepped up in those clutch situations. I was so impressed.
1: Yeah. So, and, and holding off basically like Patrick Cantley got hot and won the FedEx cup one player of the year, which has been highly disputed by a lot of people that thinking that John Rahm should have won it. And uh, he held off basically what I was trying to say is he's holding off the, the best, I, I think right now, the best player in the world. in John Rahm, who was putting on a clinic every time he was stepping onto the golf course Including absolutely blowing out a field, which would have could have changed this whole thing, if he ends up getting the win and not contracting COVID uh, that Sunday of that tournament when he had a six-stroke lead going going into Sunday. So uh, holding off a guy like that who's in in such a zone himself was was an impressive feat. And then you know rounding out the top five, uh, some guys we picked, and I I believe my pick to win the FedEx Cup, who came. Came up seven strokes short, but had a real good showing and a real good year for himself. And we're going to hear this name for a long time. But Xander Schauffele finished top five, uh, Justin Thomas, and then I think the most surprising one. I'll have to get your thoughts, but uh, Kevin Na finishing third overall um, in the Tour Championship, and then um, top ten in the in the FedEx Cup standings at the end of the year. He just seems like a dude that. Uh, We talked about him on a podcast before he's got himself on the back of his shirt, which, you know, could be, could be a power move, could be a douche move, could be both. Um, Those things are not, uh, those are not, those, those, those can go together, um, especially in the game of golf. But uh, what do you think about Kevin Na finishing third overall?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he low key, was playing very good golf in the weeks previous to this. And then he came out and performed and he is that kind of dude that just finishes high enough for you to talk about him. He is like the King of backdooring Sundays. Like when he's out of it, he'll throw a 64 or 65 out on a Sunday. Uh, when he's winning or leading, it's a different story. And I mean, he has won his fair share on the PGA tour, but I think his mentality and his mindset, he is such a, a predator. Like he, and I know that sounds corny because he does not look anything like a, a predator is he, he looks fairly soft if I'm being honest. But when you get him out on the golf course, he's walking in putts, he's walking after shots. Like he is the epitome of confidence, which is pretty bold. I mean, relatively speaking, he is a, a top 30 player in the world, but he acts like he's the best player in the world every time he steps on the tee box. And I think he embodies that even more when he is down by three, four five shots going into a Sunday because he knows he has to make a run. And it's a, a tale as old as time. You have a team that's down by four or five, six points at half and they know they have to press and play aggressively and play tight on defense. I'm not making a basketball reference, um, but they seem to almost play better from behind than they do ahead. The Nuggets, for example, horrible third-quarter team, and we all know that. But that that's like – I mean, sports are like that across the board, and golf is exactly like that. You're playing with a lead. It is so hard to play aggressively and fire a pins and want to make birdies. You end up protecting yourself and want to make pars, want to hit it to the fat part of the green two putt. And then you end up making mistakes because you're not thinking precisely enough. And the guys that are behind you are locked in, trying to make birdies pushing for that lead, pushing to move up on that leaderboard. So there's such a, a big difference and, and Kevin not thrives so much in that underdog role where nobody knows who he is. Like you said, Spencer, you're like, Kevin off finished third out of nowhere. That is like the story of his career. So super happy for the guy. He is kind of a douche on the golf course, call it what it is. He walks in putts way too early, this and that, but he's on the PG tour and he's very good at what he does. So all the respect in the world to him.
1: Yeah. He, um, he started out the, the tour championship in 19th place uh, and, and springboarded himself all the way up to third and, a, a nice fat payout for him to uh, just it, amazing the amount of money that gets thrown around, especially at the tour championship at the, and at the end of the FedEx cup uh, Xander Shaffle, who tied for fifth ended up making 2.2 million just after tying for fifth place. It's, it's, it's <laughs> sickening. Like people tell their kids, Hey, you want to make money, you go play baseball or go do this, like go play golf. If you're good at it, man, the, like they may, Patrick Cantley made fifteen million dollars in a weekend. Granted, it was a culmination of the entire year, but I don't know a lot of a lot of professional athletes, other than maybe fighters, and, and they have to get their ass kicked um, and be the biggest and best in the world. But these guys have a chance to make fifteen million dollars just in a simple weekend of playing golf, which is fun for most people.
0: Oh, oh, it's yeah, it's fucking amazing. And the other thing is too is. Golfers are independent contractors, so I guarantee you Patrick Cantley is making at least what he made in the Tour Championship on endorsement deals by wearing logos. By picking what he puts on his shirt, on his hat, on his bag, he's so much money. It's What he makes on the golf course is dwarfed by what he can make off the golf course. So golf really, like... We've been saying it for years, but if you want to push your kid towards something, golf is a good thing to push them towards. And I'm not saying they're going to make the tour. They're probably not. But there is a lot of cool shit you can do in golf, and maybe you can end up with a few logos on your chest making four or $5
1: million a year. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so speaking of the tour championship, uh, we had our own little mini tour championship this weekend at the Valley of Fun. Um, Our men's league, which is uh, basically we fill it up every year with 240 guys. And uh, then it culminates at the end of the year with a club championship, two days, 36 total holes. And we had one of the most incredible debacles that I think I've ever seen. Um, I was entering scores on the computer. And when I'm doing this, I'm trying to do it as fast as I can, hand the scorecards over to Mitchell. Mitchell writes them up on the scoreboard, et cetera, et cetera boring uh golf professional life stuff um but I didn't even realize what had happened and uh, Mitchell I think you can tell the story a little bit more because you were you were talking to the gentleman uh that that ended up having this giant debacle but why don't you why don't you go into a little bit about um what our man SG we won't name his name on the podcast in case uh, anybody knows who this is but uh what happened to our man SG and what culminated into a. Uh, a fa- overall fairly devastating loss for this man and his point and, and kind of talk about too, um, you know, your your running joke with this guy before it even started.
0: Well, yeah. So we've got a running joke with this guy. Uh, we'll call him SG like Spencer said, but he, he kind of walks in in like a sweater vest and he's looking like he's hot shit and not knocking anybody, but he's about, uh, Twenty-five, thirty handicap, like, he's not special when it comes to golf. Let's just put it that way. But he's in our fourth flight, which is, we have flights one through four. And so, going into Sunday, he was leading by, do you remember what he was leading by going into Sunday? Leading by three. Okay, so he was leading by three. And then he... Started on hole number five, so he was finishing on the fourth hole at the Valley of Fun. Fairly simple par four, plays about three forty from the blue or the, the blue or the white tees. The blue, even the whites are probably three twenty. Uh, but there is, I have one caveat. There's a creek in front of the green, and this proved to be the bane of his existence. So I really couldn't follow. He teed off. He so. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack just a little bit. He had a, he had a 10 stroke lead on his closest opponent because they were in the final group in their flight. He was leading by 10
1: strokes. And they were playing together. So he, yes. he knows this like this. I think they is riding like, in the same cart. This so, isn't like PGA tour level where they can like look up at a live leader board. We haven't made it quite to that point <laughs> at the Valley, but oh, they're yeah, playing together. Yeah. So he knows.
0: Yeah, so him and um, EG will put the other
1: SG and EG.
0: Yeah, so EG, uh, him and SG were playing together, (laughs) and they ended up 10 strokes apart on on Sunday, which just blows my mind too, but, you know, that's beside the point. And so they get to their last hole, and SG has a 10-stroke lead. So there's this little tiny creek in front of four tee box. And I, like I said, I couldn't even follow it. Like, I couldn't even follow exactly what he was saying because it all happened so quickly. And I don't even know if he scored it correctly, if I'm being honest. But he was hitting 10 from behind the creek. So his his real problems and issues came off the tee box, which I think that's four loss balls. If we're talking about hitting 10 and it's a hazard, by the way, it's not even like a OB, like you have to re T I don't know exactly how, how the fuck he went about this, but he said he was hitting 10 from short of the Creek and he ended up making a 14. I was like, well fuck that sounds like a pretty good 14 to me. <laughs> if you <laughs> if you're hitting 10 from behind the creek, which is about 300 and, about 300 yards out. But you know, it sounded like he was on the struggle bus and so he makes a 14 and EG makes a par and they literally have to go into a playoff for the the best player in their flight for the high the lowest gross player in their
1: flight and well so let me inter- interject yes you real quick. go ahead so this sends me like i'm already stressed out like i'm when i'm in tournament mode and trying to finish stuff of course this is sunday afternoon and it's all it always fucks us every year the broncos game is about to kick off And I'm sitting there trying to get this all knocked out, you know, 2:25 kickoff. I don't want to miss the first Broncos game. I always tell myself every NFL season, I'm like, the Broncos play 17 games, roughly three hours a game. Uh, Well, 17 games this year. uh, Thank the Lord. But uh, 17 games, three hours a game. That's literally 51 hours of football that I get to watch the Broncos play. And I'm like, "If, if I can't spare 51 hours a year to watch almost every single play, then I'm, I'm just doing myself a disservice at that point. And so I'm in tournament mode. I'm trying to get this done. And what Mitchell was talking about, so there's gross and net winners in, in each flight. And gross is straight up score. You put your score down. It's it's what it counts on the scorecard. And then net uh, factors in your handicap. So what we do at, at the Valley of Fun in the club championship is if you're a if you're tied for first place gross – after the two day championship, you have to go and play a playoff and a uh, quick little blurb about that. Mitchell and I have once played in a playoff for the club championship. This was first flight, mind you, not, not fourth flight. Um, not to, you know, toot our own horn or anything. We were, you know, it's, it's nothing special, but we went into a playoff once. Mitchell won. I cried, forget it. Um, <laughs> this you know, th- that that's all in the past, but you have to go back out on the golf course and the playoff starts on hole 17 goes to 18 back to 17 back to 18 back to 17 back to 18 until there's a winner but basically it's a one hole sudden death style playoff like we've seen in almost every pga tour event the last six you know three four weeks whatever and uh so i they if they find out i find out because i'm not like I said, not paying attention. I'm just entering scores. I'm not seeing who's where I don't care. I'm just trying to get these all in the computer as fast as possible. Um, That they are like, Oh, we got to go into playoff. We're tied for first place, blah, blah, blah. And that's when the, I lost my, my cool. I, uh, I flipped out. I'm, I'm sent into a complete tailspin Broncos are about to kick off and we, it's raining now at this point, we're going to have to head out back on the golf course and watch, these two guys just slap dick it around for until there's a a winner declared. So Mitchell, you can uh, pick up the story from there.
0: Okay. Yeah. So Spencer is pretty much on point saying they were slap dicking it around because they played number 17, which from the whites is a 150 yard par three. And let's just put it this way. Long story short, the winner made a seven on a par three. They made a quadruple bogey. I guess it was just the biggest clusterfuck in the history, maybe, of Spring Valley. Like, I am – Maybe the history I, of golf. Yeah. He, so, SG, <laughs> our guy SG, was – He made he, – His last two holes were a par four and a par three, and he had 22 total strokes. You don't deserve to win a club championship that way. And, and I don't care if it's for your flight. I don't care if who you're playing. I it, it just, you can't, you can't willingly accept that. So, and he, he deserved it. Like he knew he deserved it. He was like, I, I didn't expect to win. I didn't, I didn't deserve to win. I was like, yeah, you bet your ass you didn't because you fucking suck. But he, he had a horrible time. And apparently one of our assistants, Alex, went out and watched it. And I guess he was just mortified at the, the display that was put on. So, overall, one, one of the craziest things I've ever heard. I, honestly, when he first told me it, I thought he was kidding. He goes, who is a 10-shot lead and loses it? I was like, ha, ha, ha. Like, that's funny. Like, what are you talking about? Turns out he actually had a 10-shot lead, and he actually pissed it away. So um, just an all-time bad uh, showing by SG. He is a much-improved player. I will give him a a shout-out for that. But when you do that, when you make a mess like you did there, it's just inexcusable, and you don't deserve to win shit at that point. So let me just be clear about that.
1: Yeah, those are the kind of debacles that honestly can end a golfer's career, make make somebody never want to play golf again, or at least competitive golf.
0: Oh yeah, I would I would quit, hundred percent. I don't know how he's still picking up a club. I would at least set him down for three to four months, minimum, if not three to four years. I I am just lost as to how he's doing it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's a it, it was a it's a pretty it's almost it's definitely funny, especially for us. Um, but it's also just, oh, you just, just, it is
0: fucking funny for us, but yeah, you, you can feel it in the bottom of your heart. You're like, Oh my God. And this me, like, let's be real. This is his super bowl. (laughs) These guys play golf once a week. It's not their lives. It's not anything, but this was his super bowl. Like, if he would have won this, he'd be talking about it for the next year. And I know EG, the other guy who won it, is going to be talking about it for the next year at least, if not beyond that. So a lot of bragging rights involved, a lot of pride involved, and and SG took like a champ. Fucking hilarious. He bought me a drink on Sunday, told me the whole story. I was fairly entertained all the way around. So uh, successful men's club championship weekend, I guess.
1: Yeah, it was fairly successful. We I had another couple of debacles um, there. The, the, so basically in our men's league as well, they, they play, there's two, there's four different flights. The first two flights play the blue tees. They play them all season long, 22 motherfucking weeks of this. And, and these guys show up to the club championship and the scorecard got fucked up. Like I, I want to believe I, I, I took the brunt of the blame for it, even though I don't feel like I should have. Uh, but I definitely took the, the brunt of the blame for it because as a, as a person in the customer service business, that's just something that happens. You have to take the blame for the customer is always right. That is, uh, that's a saying that goes, that will probably last until the end of time. Um, but their scorecard somehow got printed with the white, white tea boxes on the top instead of the blue T boxes. These guys have played the blue T boxes literally all year since April, um, and they decided to play the white tee boxes. So that turned into a complete debacle um, and, a, and a shit show for me after Saturday's round when I had other people complaining about um, what, what tees these guys were playing. And then uh, Sunday morning, a member walks in and tells me again with something I already know. And then I ended up popping off on him. He told me to calm down. Uh, this is all before 7 a.m. The sun's barely up. So that, that was an entire debacle there. And then the same motherfucker in his group, they don't sign their scorecard. Which,
0: (laughs) Oh, their fucking scorecard was just a nightmare.
1: Yeah, so they don't sign their scorecard, which you have to do in a golf tournament. It sounds super hoity-toity, but it's just something you got to do. Because then if if you try to go back and change it, you can say, no, the scorecard was signed, blah, blah, blah. So they don't sign their scorecard for like 30 minutes. Then they finally turn it in, and hole number 10 is completely empty for the whole group. Uh, I see this but I see that there is a, a 19th hole uh, with a score in it. So I'm like, ah, you know, I, I think what any normal golf professional would think. And um, you know, I learned a lesson here. I should have just went and talked to him and figured it out before I entered the score in the computer. But like I said, Broncos are trying to kick off. Um, football is back. Speaking, speaking of football, week one may be over, but we all know the NFL season is just getting started. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. Just bet one single dollar on any football game this week and receive $200 in free bets instantly no matter what. So DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets when they bet at least $1 on any NFL football game this week. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So use that promo code DNVR when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on an NFL football game. That's right, football is back. NFL football this weekend. 200 to 1 odds. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Restrictions do apply. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. It's, uh, it was just, it was, I, I couldn't believe what I saw on this scorecard with number 10 being completely gone. Uh, so I entered the scores thinking that they just moved everything over to number 11 and scored it that way. Uh, I, I finish it up. I think I'm done. I'm, I'm paying out skin money. And all of a sudden, one of this guy's buddies comes up to me and is like, Hey, um, BL, we're going to call this guy BL, those are his initials. He, loser. <laughs> he ends up, he's like, Hey, BL didn't make an eagle on hole number 16. And I'm like, Well, okay. So then I immediately go check the scorecard. I'm like, Oh, please, God, tell me he had, you know, a three on number 16 so that I can just table this or I can figure it out that way. Uh, it turns out that they wrote, the entirely wrong score on the 16th hole. They, they basically scored the whole 11s this holes 11 through 18 correctly. And then they put number 10, which was their last hole. I'm, I'm not sure why they did this. I, I still don't know if this is actually the case, but um, at, at the end of the day, I'm not going to go back and change it now because I shouldn't have even scored the card in the fucking first place. Um, but, they put number 10 at the end. So I had to change all the scores. It changed all the skins, made a few guys, some more money. So show shouts out to them. And uh, one of our friends, JB, who was absolutely passed out, ended up making uh he was so drunk. He was just sitting in the corner, like not talking to anyone. It was super awkward. He, he uh, got cut off. Yeah. He got cut off. And, and was, it was the look of despair on his face was sad, but also a, a little hilarious in the moment for sure. Um, but these guys completely wrecked their scorecard and, uh, just made, made the rest of the weekend living hell. Needless to say, I missed about the first half of the very first Broncos game of the year because of these assholes not being able to write the correct score, um, below the box, the correct box. You know, you play hole 10, you write your score on hole 10. It doesn't seem like rocket science, but apparently for some of these dudes or even just playing the correct fucking T box, um you know there's the
0: same group uh,
1: apparently that's that's an issue as well so it was a quite the eventful weekend for us at the valley of fun hence why this is our first podcast in two weeks because um you know just think people think being a golf professional is easy and there's not a lot of jobs out there that i would consider easy and i'd say overall being a golf professional is a fairly cush job but when you just have these things and you've been there since four 30 in the morning, you're waking up at three. um, It's, you know, three in the afternoon, your football team's playing. And all of a sudden you're rescoring the entire fucking event because of this group's absolute inability to write the scores correctly.
0: Yeah. It was just kind of mind boggling all the way around. I couldn't believe they actually did that. And Spencer shout out to you. You're a great guy. Um, I don't always think so, but sometimes you do some shit there. I'm like, you're just a really good dude. Cause I would have been like, get fucked. You're not getting scored. No chance. And, and at that, and we had to go through and rescore everything for like Spencer said, an hour and a half, two hours, spend all this time because these guys can't figure out their shit. But at the end of the day, Like Spencer said, it's always something everybody thinks being a golf pro is easy and it's not, it's a clusterfuck. So next time you're at your local golf course and you see the professional and think they live an easy life, you're totally wrong because they've been there for nine hours. I don't give a fuck if it's 9am or 2pm. They've probably already been there since the ass crack of dawn, working to help you play golf and have a good time. So Just give every one of your golf professionals a hug next time you see them, or just dap them up and be like, hey, thank you. Because people fucking suck sometimes, and everybody knows that. But we are just doing our best to make everybody enjoy themselves. And that's all we can do. That's really, that's our job. We're doing the best we can at our job. I don't want to get too deep here with it, but We just try to help everybody and everybody needs help. Like everyone is a newborn child when they get to the golf course. They just don't know how to operate on their own, including your high school kids, which is, I mean, it makes more sense that a 17 year old can operate as opposed to a 55 year old, but they all act the same. It's just, it just blows my mind. So, uh, overall great weekend. I'm not going to get too much further into it. I mean, we already went pretty deep, Oh, so real quick story, story time, um, Elizabeth high school golf. I'm driving these kids to this tournament. Total nightmare. I, we drive in the dark, like it's seven in the morning. It's dark as fuck out. It's before seven. I'm sorry. It's like six 30, whatever. We're heading down car to Carter Springs. It's about an hour, hour and 10 minute drive. So, I'm like, okay, we'll leave this time. We'll get there this time, blah, blah, blah. We sit, so, we're playing on a military base, which is usually not that bad. I mean, they usually are like, oh, you're here for a golf tournament. You're not going to try to do anything sketchy on the military base. Like, obviously, I'm
1: dragging for you're not going to yeah. be us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're not sus. We're high school golfers. It's I'm not a high school golfer, but I basically should be. And so we get to the gate, which took us 25 minutes. And then they have us pull over and they want to pop the trunk. They want to pop open all the doors. They want to look everywhere in the car. And I'm like, oh my God. And that we tee off at 9 a.m. And this is at 851. I was like shitting myself. I was like, "Oh my god, we're going to be so late. The all these coaches are going to hate us." Blah blah blah. And so we show up at eight fifty six. We get to the golf course eight fifty six. They tee off at nine. And I was so apologetic to all the other coaches. I'm like, "I'm so sorry." Blah blah blah. I really wasn't that sorry, but I was like kind of sorry. Um, and he's like, oh, don't worry. It's been a dumpster fire all morning. The host coach was like, oh, it's been a clusterfuck. I was like, yeah, I feel that. But then the, the real story comes in 45 minutes later when a school down in Colorado Springs that won't be mentioned rolls into the parking lot about 45, 50 minutes late. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, they're all just getting out of the car. And the kids have already put like three or four holes. And then I see their coach, and long story short, this might not even make complete sense, but there, there was a we were trying to get onto a military base, so that that's a one that's like the reason why all this happened. A kid was driving a coach's truck, a brand new Dodge Ram fifteen hundred, and just it, I, I I can't even understand why he was ever driving the coach's truck because. That just blows my fucking mind out of the water. I would never let any of our high school kids get within a five mile radius of my car. But the kid was driving the coach's truck and sideswipes a brand new Ford F 150 in the parking lot and just absolutely mangles it. It's buckled, it's fucking done. And this coach tells me the story and then he tries to blame the player. I'm like, he's 17, but it was one of the most wild fucking stories I'd ever heard. He took me for a ride, and I can't name the coach, obviously, but he was like, I had to smoke a bowl in the car just to calm down. I was like, holy shit. That's a bold strategy doing that in high school golf. Uh, Obviously, we don't know who this coach is. He doesn't coach high school golf, but Just a wild all-around story. I could not believe exactly what I had heard. And I really didn't feel that bad about us being five minutes late at that point. Like, I really didn't. I was like, hey, the kids don't get a warm-up, you know? I didn't let a kid drive my car and fuck up somebody else's truck. And we're not an hour late. So I consider that a
1: win. Yeah, you thought it was a big loss when you showed up there and then you... (laughs) hear what happened to uh, the coach at a school that will not be named a Christian school, by the way. Um, And, and then specifically mentioned, he's like, I don't want to be
0: Christian right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Which I do. Yeah. I do not
1: blame him for
0: whatsoever. I, I felt that on a personal level.
1: Uh, Yeah. So your day, your day wasn't quite as bad as as this gentleman's here, so not uh, overall though. The high school golf team is it's a constant trip, coaching them and just hearing the stuff that comes out of their mouth, and and they have to hide their shit in our pockets because they're not old enough to have nicotine and other nonsense things like that. Um, that's why they should just switch over to Dips. Um, If you guys don't know about Canadaips, check them out at C A N N A. DipsCBD.com. It's incredible. It's our favorite thing on the golf course. Um, I've got one in right now as we're sitting here, it's, it's late at night it's usually my wind down thing. I pop one of those in. I've got the tropical mango flavor in phenomenal stuff. It's just CBD. It just chills you out. It's if you're trying to stop that nicotine buzz. So all, all of our high school kids, that were trying to get off the nicotine, you know, toss them a few dips. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll <laughs> chill out. Uh, maybe they won't have <laughs> panic, panic attacks on the golf course, but, uh, make sure you check out Canada Dips. They're incredible. Um, both of us use them on the daily, probably a little bit more than we should, but, uh, it's a phenomenal product. They do a really good job of mixing the CBD with great different flavors. There's wintergreen, there's, uh, mint flavors. There's like I said, the mango that I have. So make sure you check, check out Canada Dips. Once again, that's C a N N a D I P S cbd.com. So check them out order yourself some. Uh, we got some mem- older members this weekend from the club championship into it, and they were hyped. They enjoyed it. Um, he said uh, one of our members, BB, he said it uh, It really chilled him out, and now he's uh, he's all aboard the Canada Dips train, so make sure you go check him out. Um, before we get out of here, well, let's talk a little bit about the Ryder Cup. We won't get too into it because uh, next week we'll do kind of a full preview of it before it comes up, but uh, this last weekend, the uh, rosters were finally announced. We all kind of knew who the non-captains picks were because of the the money leaders from the last now three years. So um, since there was a, a COVID year last year and the Ryder Cup got moved to 2021, which is now going to flip-flop the odd and even years for the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup again, which... Uh, Ironically actually happened on September 11th in in 2001 when a horrible, horrible thing happened in, in America in New York, you know, we all know about that, but uh, so that flipped the Ryder Cup back to the even years and now it has been flipped back to the odd years because of COVID and um, We'll take a little look at the American team, and hopefully uh, they they give us a, a little better showing at Whistling Straits. I know I'm going to be watching this one closely because I've played Whistling Straits, so I feel kind of a little bit of connection to this golf course. we never
0: I mean, heard that before. If anybody no,
1: doesn't know, Spencer's played Whistling Straits. I know. I've only mentioned it probably 50 times in this podcast, but 51 is not going to hurt. So I've played whistling straights, and I know know the hole's been on them myself. Fired a swift eighty-two or something there, and felt really good about it. But um, the six Americans that qualified automatically, Mitchell, off the top of your head, let's see if you can let's see if you can name them.
0: Kayla DeChambeau. Oh fuck! Nah, that's as far as I go because I know some of the captains' picks. Um, Kepka.
1: Cantley, uh, Shambo, Kepka. yep, you got three of the six. Um. Oh, wow, you put me on the spot. One of these uh, is extremely obvious. Like, he won, like, uh, so many times this year, big events. Phil Mickelson? No, he <laughs> Phil Mickelson's actually a co-captain or a, an honor or a vice. Yeah, captain. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, thinking of what you're putting down. That was kind of a joke. It's RK's boy. Oh, Colin Murakawa, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um like another guy that won a major this year. Well, technically not this year, but kind of November of last year.
0: Wasn't that Hideki Matsuyama?
1: No, he won Hideki Matsuyama <laughs> won this year's Masters. Who won last year's Masters in November? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Dustin Johnson, bro. Oh, DJ. Okay. Oh, okay. One of the best performances ever. And then Finishing it out, the guy who finished uh, fourth in the FedEx Cup points race, Justin Thomas. Uh, And then we've got the captain's picks from Steve Stricker. we got Tony Finau, X-Man Xander Shoffley, my boy, Jordan Spieth, Harris English, Scotty Scheffler, and Daniel Berger. So any of those uh, surprise you? Did you think they left anyone out? Uh, What's your thoughts on those those six captain's picks?
0: Uh, Well, Patrick Reed is the obvious guy that was left out. Scotty Scheffler is only 24 years old. I mean, he's – and I get both sides of it, but when you're going with the Ryder Cup, you have to go experience. And Scotty Scheffler is going to have his time in the Ryder Cup, I'm sure. But with Patrick Reed, he was playing very well at points during the year. He had kind of an off-and-on year a little bit. But when it comes to the Ryder Cup, it's like Ian Poulter. He is our Ian Poulter, and I don't know necessarily how you leave him off, but I do like like the Jordan Spieth, uh, Scotty Scheffler pairing. They played together in college. I think they'll do pretty well together. Um, but that was my biggest surprise was leaving Patrick Reed off the roster because no matter what kind of shape his game is in, you know he's always going to bring it for the Ryder Cup. Like he is Captain America 2.0. And Jordan Spieth just thrives off his dog shit because I don't really think anybody on tour likes Pat or Patrick Reed, but they just tolerate him and he does so well that it's like winning solves everything. And he just goes out and he wins. So that was my biggest surprise, but who did you think should have been on the card that was left off?
1: No, I think, yeah, like you said, Patrick Reed is just the obvious choice. Um, I think there's a couple of other Americans that, like you said, experience is huge, but you also want to take – because, like you said –
0: Kisner was the biggest – I mean, Kisner on top of Patrick Reed because Kisner is kind of the same bulldog type mentality. He's not going to do anything outrageous. He's not going to out-ball strike you. I mean, he hits it very well, but he's not a long player. Like, he's not going to dazzle UT to green. But he just gets it done, and he's got that grit and that want. And I know grit's a very overused word, but if you pick out grit in terms of golf, it's got to be Patrick Reed and Kevin Kisner at the top of that list. So I, I was fairly disappointed in that, but Stricker's going with more of a younger squad. I
1: mean, all the guys are, are fairly, fairly young, who, yeah. Who's so Colin Morikawa and he obviously auto qualified with his money and winning majors, winning a major in each of the last two years? He's a rookie. Bryson DeChambeau's only played in it once. Patrick Cantley a rookie. Tony Finau's only played in it once. Xander Shoffley is a rookie. Harris English is a rookie. Scotty Scheffler's a rookie. And Daniel Berger's a rookie. So team USA is super young. I
0: don't know if there's a single dude in their 30s on that squad. Maybe Harris English.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, you've got like, you've got on the, on team Europe, you've got Victor Hovland, who's a rookie, John Rom, who is second year, but he's the best player in the world right now. Shane Lowry's a rookie. And then you've got guys that have played in this tournament um, since like Sergio Garcia, 1999. Ian Poulter played in the, in the Ryder cup in 1999. Wow. Lee Westwood played in the Ryder Cup in 1997. I'm quite positive that Colin Morikawa might have not even been born in 1997 when Lee Westwood was playing on the he, Ryder
0: Cup team. He was probably a brand new pup.
1: He was just a, a little babe. Just a babe. But yeah. So, and then, uh, team uh, like I said, Team Europe finishing it off. So we got ROM, J- R- Rory McElroy. He's played in it for the last, since 2010, Tommy Fleetwood, one of my guys that I always bet on, I seem to just love, and he never comes through for me. He's on the team, Victor Hovland, great golfer, great, great guy. Just a fun, makes the game of golf way more fun. Paul Casey, Lee Westwood. I always get those two confused. I feel like they're the same person, just different. Uh, another, only another rookie, uh, for the team. Europe burnt Weisberger Weisberger, sorry. Uh, and then uh, Austrian Matthew, Matthew, Austria. Matthew Fitzpatrick, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Ian Poulter, Shane Lowry, and Sergio Garcia. So I'm looking forward to this man. The Ryder Cup is such a fun weekend because, like, we talked about team golf versus individual golf. We got Team USA going up against Team Europe. Great golf course. I don't know if you know this, but I've played it. Um, <laughs> no, but truly, like. It, just the just the scenery there, and just the overall uh, immaculateness—I don't think that's a word—but of that golf course is is something to behold. So it's going to be truly a great weekend for for golf, and I, and I'm stoked to watch the Ryder Cup.
0: Uh, it's going to be an electric weekend. I can't wait to be glued to my TV. Uh, I think we're probably doing something that weekend, like we are every weekend, but we will be locked in as much as we can on the Ryder Cup because it is must-watch TV. It is individual players joining up on teams to try to beat a country that they don't like. Like, how does it get any better than that? It's, it's like war on a very civil term. You know, it's it, war on the golf course. Let's put it that way. But you know that our guys and their guys are both fighting for it equally. Um, I'm not going to make a prediction, but uh, we'll we'll get into that next week. I I like our chances, but I also liked the U.S. Solheim Cup team's chances, and they pissed on my grave. So I I don't know how well that's going to fly this next weekend. I don't know who I'm going to pick
1: yet. We're we're still researching, still doing the research,
0: <laughs> still crunching numbers. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, that is it for us. Thank you guys for joining us for this other, this episode of big drive energy. We appreciate the listens. Uh, Make sure you follow us on Twitter, DNVR underscore golf. Make sure you check out the, uh, at the DNVR.com, the locker, the golf hat, it is selling out quick. So if you want to snag one of those, make sure you do that. Um, it is a fire hat. We love it. Obviously we, we, uh, made it, made it happen with the, the help of, d-line eric weedham so make sure you go check out the golf hat at the dnvr.com on the dnvr locker uh follow me on twitter at big drive spence he is at big drive mitch Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week with a little more intense uh intense preview of the Ryder cup and discussing a little more of america's favorite game golf talk to you then peace